Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 45. I want to read verse 22, and then we'll come back and read several verses before that. Isaiah 45, verse 22, which will be our text. And God says here, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Now, I want to begin reading with verse 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded, world without end. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye, bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. And then our text. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. We want to use that for our text this morning. If you look at that verse itself and analyze it, He says, look, and he says, look unto me, not to these false gods or these idols. Look unto me and be ye saved. So you can be saved by looking to God. We'll talk about what it is to look to him in faith and trust him in a moment. And he says, and be ye saved. This is the result. And he says, all the ends of the earth. That means any man upon the face of the earth. That means as far as the gospel will reach. And that means even you and I. That means every individual. That means whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, giving you that word, if you notice in verse 20 of this chapter, we just read it, we see the evidence of universal idolatry. The great sin of man ever since the fall has been that of idolatry. If he doesn't have one kind of idol, he has some other kind of idol. He is always seeking to get away from God and set up for himself an idol to worship. That idol may be in the form of nature. Some people just worship nature. I'm glad that God gave us our beautiful world and universe that we have, but we don't worship it. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day other speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. It says there's no land, there's no place in the earth where their voice is not heard. So nature speaks in that sense of the word. We see God's handiwork. I believe that's Psalm 19. But anyway, some people worship their ceremonies, religious ceremonies. Or they may have an idol of philosophy or of self. Some people look to themselves and think, boy, what a, I'm really the best of the world. Or they worship worldly wisdom. They set up an idol of worldly wisdom. They think the world, the wisdom of this world is that of, well, that of God. By the way, the Bible says the world by wisdom knew not God. But God would have all men to look to Him. And He would have all men to look to Him alone. 
And if we trust anything or uh, anyone else but God, we'll be disappointed. There is no satisfaction in idol worship. There's no satisfaction in self-worship. There's no satisfaction in nature worship or your own philosophy of things or your own ideas or or the worldly wisdom. There's no satisfaction. We find that when we really need divine help, that all the idols will fail. And only the Lord God is able to give us the needed comfort. Only God can give you the comfort that you need. God is great in patience toward us, even though we're sinful, as these were described. They set up their idols of wood and of stone, and they prayed to a God that could not save. But when you turn to God, He says, Look unto me, and be you saved all the ends of the earth. That means you and I. That means every individual among us. That means all of those in the foreign parts of the earth. And that's why we need to preach the gospel around the world. The message of salvation should go out. And I only have power to give it out here to you that are here this morning. That's all I can do. We have missionaries all over the world. And in their various locality, they can give out the message. But all over the world, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I want us to quickly get to this message this morning. Look unto me and be ye saved. There are several aspects of it. First, for salvation out of any troubles, we shall look to God alone. We had a testimony of that this morning. Some men will only look to God when threatened by great calamity. In a time of storm or shipwrecks. Remember old Jonah was cast into the sea after the, the mariners decided that, you know, there's something wrong. God sent this great storm and they cried unto their gods. They, they cried unto their false gods, but they knew something was desperately wrong. Jonah says, I'm the problem, and they threw him overboard. But what caused these mariners, even though that they didn't know God, what caused them to cry out to their God? The storm on the sea and the the danger they were in. And some men are like that. Some men are shaken by great earthquakes and they are made to tremble at the majestic display of God's mighty power and of the convulsions of this earth. When great plagues threaten many, as in the days of Pharaoh of Egypt. You remember Moses brought judgment after judgment. God brought through Moses the judgments upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And many of them turn to God. And even Pharaoh himself says, Moses, you remove these plagues and I've sinned. But it wasn't real repentance. He was just sorry that he got caught and the judgment was there upon him. And after the judgment was removed, he went right back into the same old hardness of heart that he had before. Just because you're shaken at some time to fear God doesn't mean that you've repented. You need to repent of your sins and say, I need the Lord as Savior because I'm a sinner and I need to be saved by grace and that's the only way that I can be saved. Look unto me and be you saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else. There's no other place you can look. In times of sickness, we look to God. In times when death knocks at the door, we look to God. And we should. Certainly we need to look to God and it's a sign of any trouble in our lives or any problem. Men ought to resort to God in every trial and every difficulty. This is sound reasoning because He's the only one that can help us. God hears and knows every cry and every trial. In all matters, we should look to Him. Then should we not look to Him for all deliverance. 
whether it be great or small. There's nothing too small or unimportant for God to notice. Fathers and mothers yield to the smallest hurt in their own dear children. If your child gets hurt, maybe it's just a scratch on their finger or something small. To them, it's not small. To them, it's real. How much more will your heavenly Father, who takes note of every bird that falls, every sparrow that falls from the from the heavens, from the skies, and every every hair of your head is numbered. How much more shall He take care of you and look to you and your needs? And if you and I could resort to God for every need, whether it be great or small, some people say, well, that's such a little thing, I'm not going to pray about it. I pray about little things and big things. If God can take care of big things, surely He can take care of little things. So trust Him with all of them. And we have to, we need to trust Him with all of them. And you know, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm kind of allergic to pain. I, I don't like pain. And when I, when I hurt myself, I say, well, what did I do that for? And, and I, I want relief of it right away. And I look to God for it. And you should look to God for it. He says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. So there's no little trials that are too small for God to take care of. How much more should we look to Him in these little trials that we have to bear in life? Lay your burden before Jesus. The Bible says, cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. The Bible says, Peter says, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Do you ever feel like God doesn't care about you? Sometimes we get that attitude. But He really does. He's proven it time and again, and we're men and women, boys and girls of unbelief, and we just can't believe that He really does, but He does. His mercies are renewed every morning, and His pardon comes every night. By the way, when we see God's mercies come fresh to us morning by morning, and then at night we ask for forgiveness of our sins, there's pardon available, and He wipes the slate clean, and whatever we faults and failures and shortcomings we had during the day, He just says, you can go to bed and go to sleep now. It's all the slate's wiped clean. That's the kind of condition I want to live in. Recognize that every morning He's good to me. If I get out of bed and I'm healthy and can get around, and I'm thankful. I have food on the table and clothes on my back and shelter over my head and all the comforts of a place to live. Well, to be thankful. Paul said, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Sometimes we get too high and mighty. We think we ought to have everything. Well, it's not... Uh, bad to try to, to progress and achieve and go forward, but you ought to learn to be satisfied with some things. You don't have to push the button too far. Just accept what God has given you. It doesn't mean you shouldn't work and, and uh, try to, do, to better yourself, but it does mean we ought to come to a place of contentment when we're trusting in God. Are you to use means to help get you out of your difficulties? The means? Certainly you are. You surely should use means. It would be wrong if you did not. If you say, Lord, I want food on my table and shelter over my head. Well, just to expect God to give it to you without working. He tells us to work. That man's business is to work. He bids you to pray for a harvest, but he also expects you to sow the seed in the ground. I mean, you don't pray for a harvest if you don't sow the seed. I mean, it would be foolish for you to go out here and leave your land fallow, not plow it, not... Uh, cultivate it, not put any seed in the ground and say, God, give me a harvest. He said, what have you done? 
Have you plowed the field? Have you put some seed in there? You know, God expects us to use means. We need to look to Him at all times and be guided by His Word. Use the means, but trust in God. Follow His Word, His teachings. Use the means by all means and beyond all means. And when means utterly fail, when you don't have anything that would would produce what you want, still trust in God. Now then, while this principle, which should guide all believers that we just stated, is to look to God, it's also the principle for those who are beginning to believe, that is, those who are seeking for the salvation of their souls, for eternal salvation, we must look to God alone. You can't save yourself. No man can save you. So you have to look to God alone. You can't look to anyone else. These idols could not save these people. He says, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. There are many ways we are not to look. Many things we are not to look to. We are not to look to idolatry, which is plain in the context of our Scripture. To other gods, because all these gods are idols. To blocks of wood and stone objects of worship, which many did in those days, and some still do. Some make gods out of what they are called the means of grace. They say, well, I was uh, in baptism and the Lord's Supper. They say, well, you know, I was baptized. Well, if that's your idol, I mean, baptism is proper if you're a Christian. If you've trusted in Jesus, you ought to follow Jesus in baptism and identify yourself with Him in the waters of baptism. And if you're saved and baptized, you ought to partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper to remember Christ's death and resurrection and His coming again. Remember that He died for your sins and shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. But the means of grace should not be worshipped. Baptism should not be worshipped. The Lord's Supper should not be worshipped. The church should not be worshipped. Saints are not to be worshipped. The altar is not to be worshipped. Priests are not to be worshipped. The candles and the crucifix, the virgin, and some preacher. You know, you have some people who say, well, I believe in that preacher. Well, don't do that. You better believe in what that preacher preaches if he preaches the gospel. But don't believe so much in that preacher because we all have feet of clay. And you'll find that many that have put their faith in just one individual preacher throughout the land say, that's the only one for me. They've been disappointed, haven't they? And they will be. Because their faith should be in Jesus. And they should be looking to the Lord instead of the preacher. And so you can't have him as an idol. Some people uh, worship their hearing of sermons. They say, well, I hear sermons all the time. Well, that's good, but that's not going to save you unless you look to the Lord. The psalmist said salvation is of the Lord. It's not a philosophy or worldly wisdom. We're not to look to self, to our good works or righteousness within. We don't have any righteousness. The Bible says all of our righteousnesses. Or as filthy rags, we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So we're not to look to our own good works because they're they're minimal and they're uh, as filthy rags. There is nothing in ourselves that brings us to salvation or merits salvation. We don't have it. Not our good or our faith or great faith or small faith. Some people say, "Well, my faith is so small. My faith is so uh, great." It's not your faith. 
The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God gives you faith through hearing His Word. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So you need to hear the Word. It says, in whom you also trusted. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So it's hearing the word of God and believing the word of God, the message of the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection. That he died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. It's not our repentance, though we have to repent. God will give repentance to our hearts. The Bible says how in the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 9, how that they turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You have to turn to God. You turn from something. And this is true repentance. If you turn from your sins and turn to God. They turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. It's not our tears of anguish that saves us. Some people say, well, you know that person came down the aisle and I didn't see him crying. Well, they don't have to cry. We sing a song. Could my tears forever flow and could my zeal no longer know? These for sin could not atone. What? Thou must save and thou alone. Now, it's true that people sometimes shed tears. That's good. doesn't hurt anything. But it doesn't mean that by shedding tears, you're more saved. Or that your tears brought salvation. Certainly, if you're sorry for your sins, you may shed tears. And you probably will. But it's not absolutely necessary because you're looking to God for your salvation. You're not looking to the degree of your repentance and the amount of your shedding of tears and all that you can do within yourself. You probably will have anguish of heart. You probably feel sorry that you're a sinner and caused Jesus to to die on the cross for your sins. And this is the only way you could be saved is because Jesus died there. Could our tears forever flow? Could our zeal no longer know? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. It's not our good works that saves us. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's not by works of righteousness. And, you know, even baptism is a work of righteousness. Jesus said when He was baptized, Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. It's not our so-called righteousness, all of them put together. We said all of our righteousness is, that's put together, or as filthy rags. We do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. But it's looking to God alone. Then to what are we to look? We're not to look to these things I've just mentioned. What are we to look? We must look to the mercy of God. Our sins are great. Your sins are exceeding great and awful in the sight of a holy God. You must realize that sin and corruption and iniquity and transgression, God looks upon in, with the eye of judgment towards sin. But His mercy and His grace will cover our guilt and our sin when we look to Him. God's mercy is greater and He is able and willing to put away all of our sins because Jesus died for them on the cross and to set us free from them. You know, some folks say, well, 
I don't know if I can give this up or that up. Don't worry about that. You turn to God and He'll help you. If you have problems, He'll help you. You, you may not be perfected in a day, but you'll be saved in an instant. But He's the one that will perfect you in life. He's the one that's going to change you and help you to be more what you need to be. And you'll grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not simply as God reveals Himself to you in nature, for then you will have an imperfect view of God. Some people look as God has revealed Himself in that way. But as He reveals Himself to you in His Word, He's shown you what He really is. There are many sinners, and all the sinners in the world need to look to the Lord and be saved. God gives us many promises in His Word as to what uh, He will do if we will only look to Him. All the promises in God's Word. We need to read the Scriptures, search the Scriptures, and search out His promises. He's promised, He's given us many exceeding great and precious promises. We need to realize that He's given us many invitations. He says, come unto me, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is going to cleanse you perfectly clean when you accept Christ. The psalmist said in Psalm 51, David, after he'd sinned terribly against God, he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That other scripture is Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. You know, scarlet and crimson. He says, though they be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That scarlet represents our sins. Though they be red like crimson. So, both things. Double dyed red. We're double dyed, D-Y-E-D, sinners. We're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. And he says he will cleanse us and we'll be white as snow. We need to realize that God has promised and God has given invitations. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. That this come, uh, look unto me means return to me, come to me. Return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Look to God as He reveals Himself in the person and work of His dear Son, of Jesus. There's the very essence of the gospel. He's the foundation of the gospel. The Bible says, Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation of your salvation. He's the foundation of your faith. Is the foundation of the church. And that we should look to God in Jesus Christ and so find salvation. Because the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. doesn't say whereby we can be or might be, but whereby we must be saved. There's no other name, there's no other person, there's no other gospel that will save you other than the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection. And whoever believes on Him and looks to Him, prays to Him, trusts in Him, is going to be saved. He promises you will. He says, Look unto Me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. We have great sin, but God has great forgiveness. 
Oh, some do not see their sins to be great. They say, well, that's human. All of us sin. Well, that's true, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But he says the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you want to be saved, you accept the gift of salvation freely. It's up to you to do it. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our great enemy, the devil, would have you to look somewhere else. He'd have you looking everywhere. He'd have you looking to your own merits and saying, well, do I merit salvation? Am I good enough? He'd have you to look to your own strength to escape from the power of sin. In other words, lift yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's a pretty heavy load, isn't it? Hard enough for me to get mine on, let alone lift myself up by them. So you can't do that. And the devil would have you to look to your own strength to escape the power of sin. Were you to look to Christ, he would, Satan would have you to, uh, to look to your own strength to keep you saved and to keep you secure. He would have you to look for, to yourself for your own security. You can't even do that. The Bible says the Lord is my keeper. The Bible says you're kept by the power of God. You're not kept by what you do in your own strength. Satan would trouble your soul with questions about difficult doctrines. You know, the devil has a real way of using the doctrines of the church, which are good, and trying to trouble you with them and causing you to say, well, this one conflicts with that one. Don't worry about that. What are you told to do? What are you invited to do? What are you said? Uh, what, what is God said will work? Look unto me, listen carefully, and be ye saved... All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. There's no other place you can look. He would have you, Satan would have you to look to the various forms of church government. And they'd say, he'd say to you, well, look at this church. It does its business this way and it governs itself this way. And another church governs itself that way. Another one, the, the preacher is the whole uh, ball of wax and he tells everybody what to do. Another one, the deacons tell everybody what to do. Another one, the little clicks here and there tell everybody what to do. That's not the church. And the devil would have you look into this, wouldn't he? Say, oh, well, this, these are the only ones that matter. Well, don't look to those things. He would have you to look to the arguments that arise between Christians. Say, well, I told you, they, they don't have any harmony because they, they're at odds with one another. Well, it's true we shouldn't be at odds with one another, but the devil monopolizes on that fact if he can get some uh, strife or something going on he would have people to look to that and say see I told you so all to keep you from looking to Christ that's all the purpose of it anyway he would even have you to look to your feelings instead of looking by faith to Jesus Christ you might say well I don't feel like being saved alright do you feel like remaining in a lost condition? Let me ask you a question. God's Word doesn't say, look to, to me if you feel good. Look to me if you have a certain impulse or feeling. We know the Holy Spirit must work in your heart and life. But God is able to plant in your mind and in your thought what you need to do. And He's given you instructions right here. He says, look unto me. You, you say, well, I need to be saved. He says, look unto me and be ye saved. If that's what you need, look to me. All the ends of the earth. That means anyone and everyone. For I'm God. I'll do it. I'll save you. 
And there is none else. There's no other place you can go. Isn't that simple enough? He says, look unto me and be ye saved. So don't look to your feelings. Instead of by faith, looking to Jesus. He wants you to look to Jesus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author of it and the finisher of it. And let nothing in this world keep you from running into the arms of the dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So if you're worrying about losing, uh, being lost in eternity, he said, if you come to me, I will not cast you out. I will in no wise, not under any conditions or circumstances, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I love that verse of Scripture. It's on my daughter's headstone at the cemetery. She loved that verse of Scripture. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Now then, what encouragement does God give us to look to Him? What is the encouragement? The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The encouragement is God's promise that you will be saved. As surely as you look to Him, you're going to be saved. But if you don't look to Him, you will not be. The fact is that He says, I'm God. I've promised that I will do it. Another encouragement that comes to you, that there's no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. He said that in the verse before. I'm a just God and a Savior. There's none beside me. That's verse 21. In verse 22, look unto me and be you saved. Because I'm a just God. His character proves that He will do exactly what He said He will do. God can justify you and justly save you by His wondrous plan of salvation, by substitution, Christ died for your sins on the cross, the atoning sacrifice of Christ that He made on the cross, God's only begotten Son. Look unto me, He says, and be you saved. There's no excuse for you this morning, if you're unsaved, not to look to the Lord for salvation. None whatsoever. Because He tells you to. Because He invites you to. Because He commands you to. It's God's command. What is the best time to look to the Lord? The best time is God's time. And when is God's time? God's time is now. He says, today if you will hear His voice. If the the Word of God has come to you and the Spirit of God has opened your mind and thoughts and heart to receive Christ, the best time is today. Today if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. The present time is the only time you have. The past is gone. You have not the promise of tomorrow or next week or next year. Do not be like one in the Bible, Felix, that was looking for more, a more convenient season. There may never be a more convenient season for you than the present. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And it says that the evil days will come nigh. Listen. While the evil days come not, nor years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Men become more hardened and more less likely to receive Christ as we grow older. Because life has a way of hardening us. Life has a way of making us uh, try to live up to all the, the trials and the, and the hardships of it. That's why I love to see little children, boys and girls and young people, and all... But we want all to be saved. I told you about a lady that was way in her 80s in Mount Pleasant, Texas. Granny Haynes, we called her. 
My song leader and I went to visit her after I first went to Mount Pleasant, Texas. And she was sitting there in this little old cabin listening to the radio. Preacher was preaching on the radio. And we told her that uh, she, we talked to her about her salvation. She says, I'm too mean to be saved. And I quoted that one scripture I quoted earlier, Isaiah 1 verse 18. I said, the Bible says, listen, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And she listened to it. She accepted the Lord that very evening. She came to church and I baptized her. She lived all through that summer and about Christmas time. Before Christmas, she passed away and I had her funeral. She's way up in the late 80s. But had she not believed that gospel? And she thought she was too mean and too wicked to be saved. But God will save you and the time is when? Now, the present is the only time you have. The past is gone. The future may never come. You may be planning what you'll do tomorrow or next week or, or a month from now. And none of us know what the day may bring forth. The Bible tells us we need to be ready and be prepared. Now listen, I'm going to say this in closing. I know that there's no power in human persuasion. If I could persuade anyone here this morning, humanly speaking, to be saved, I would do my utmost to persuade you. But I cannot do that. But if the blessed Holy Spirit of God has opened your mind, has spoken to your heart, that you need to be saved, do not resist Him now. Or put him aside. But look, because God has commanded it and God has promised you that if you look to him, he says, look unto me and be ye saved. Listen carefully. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, 